This episode is brought to you by Megacynics, a webcomic about a reunited brother and sister that will make you laugh. Find it at megacynics.com. This is big. If Adam and I can make the playoffs... No, because this is, this is amazing. This is big. This is, <laughs> there's just a lot on the line right now because... So this is actually kind of interesting from a game perspective. Yeah. The, the choices that you make right now, you always want to win, but right now matter so much that you're playing... Even if you lose, you're playing... You're playing the person who's going to score on your team. You have your roster. You're mm-hmm. starting a roster that is going to score the absolute most points you can. And you have to, because there's one guy who's 10 and 2 locked into the playoffs. We take the top four people out of 12 into the playoffs. Once you're in the playoffs, your record means nothing. It's when it's you just win every week yeah, yeah. and move on. Every, there's a guy who's 10 and 2. Then there's seven or eight, seven people, because there's eight total, and four at the bottom. One guy is ten and two. Seven people who are seven and five. <laughs> Get this one better. Out of those seven people, and including out of the eight eight top people, including um, all the people who are seven and five, including the guy who's ten and two. You so if there's a tie to get into the playoffs, it goes to how many aggregate points did you score over the course of the season? Mm-hmm. Right now, I think um, it doesn't matter. But um, six of the top six people are within five aggregate points of each other. So like one person is 1,335.4 points. Another person is 1,335.9 points. It's like fucking crazy. And people are going nuts looking at every single half point their guys are scoring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's like that... It's like the last third... Of or like the like whatever the fulcrum point of like in uh, Neptune's bounty game is <laughs> right, like yeah, you know yeah, you're yeah. just like oh my god checking yeah. it all the time <laughs> yeah you look hilariously conniving right now because you're you twirling you're like thing. you're like <laughs> little does well, he know also rocking back and forth <laughs> <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> like somehow you have a plan to completely like yeah you're like absolutely crazy funny you should call out those point values. <laughs> I'm just going to type something into my phone. (laughs) Which is actually just you murder. My fantasy football league. (laughs) Kill Cam Newton. (laughs) Our starting quarterback. Let me just. (laughs) Just an explosion. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Nothing, I assure you. (laughs) My fantasy football score. (laughs) How did he do it? I like how somehow murdering my starting quarterback affects my current score, even though he's played yesterday. Well, this has to follow. Oh no, negative forty for points sure. for, for spontaneous death for murder. Yeah. Oh. December 5th, 2012, and this episode is objectively good. This is Idle Thumbs 86. I'm Chris Remo. 
I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. I was waiting for you to introduce yourself. Oh, no, because I, was, I almost said I'm Jake Rodkin. It's because I thought you were Nick Brecken. <laughs> you left for a week, and then I just replaced you with the default third oh. host, who is Nick Brecken. Oh, with the real third host? Yeah. But he always introduced himself before me. Really? And I'm Nick Brecken was a weird anomaly that then became the accepted Canon, norm. Yeah. That's History was rewritten by Nick Brecken. <laughs> as it always is. History is written by the victors. I think all of us see Nick Brecken as the victor. Yeah. He got out of this Nick fucking the, podcast. Nick the victor. <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, guys. Hi. Welcome back, Sean. Hi. Nick the victor. <laughs> Nick the victor. I thought it was funny. I, I laughed at pretty Nick good. Nick delayed <laughs> humor on my part. Yeah. We good. temporarily replaced you with Kotaku.com. I heard that that episode was objectively good. Was very good. And now we're just going to sound like we're shitting on it. It was really awesome <laughs> no, having Kirk awesome. on last week. Really it was a great, it was a yeah. great episode, yeah. as I'm sure you know. As I'm sure you noticed. No, it sucked, because I left, and it was just like, oh, Far Cry 2, would have liked to talk about that. Far Cry 3, probably would have liked to talk about that. Halo 4, oh, probably would have liked to talk about that. I was just pissed off sitting on the East Coast. Just now really you know mad. what all of our readers feel like. That you guys listened, talked yeah. about all the good things, and that I didn't get to talk to any about the good things? Anybody? <laughs> about them? I don't know. Uh... Our no, readers feel episode. like they're in Florida. No, don't go to Florida. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm back. No. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. You're sounding me. increasingly you like Rodney like Dangerfield. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of those two. Hopefully that's stereo encoded. <laughs> With what? My perception of yeah. Sean and your perception of yes. Sean? I'll run that filter in, in logic. Okay, like, good. This is better. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're just like, would have liked to talk about that? Would have liked liked to talk about that? (laughs) Don't move to Florida. Like, it was... (laughs) Hey, buddy, nice hat. Oh, for me, it was specifically when you said, well, I'm back. And it just sounded exactly like Nick Brecken. Oh. Yeah. Well, it was. This is a cool podcast. (laughs) You know what I did? So, when I was in Florida, this Uh is going to sound like a thing a cool person does, but it's really... (laughs) It's really not that cool. It's just going to sound like... Like a, when I say it's okay, so I went to the Bahamas mm-hmm. uh, for the weekend because um, you can do that you very easily. Like flights are very cheap. Sure, it's not like an extravagant thing to do, even yeah. though it sounds like it. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. And um, while I was there, the internet's been really bad there. Okay. At least where I was staying at my friend's mm-hmm. house. Um, I don't know if it's because of Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Sandy kicked the shit out of areas of that island, which is something you don't think about. But anyway. I didn't know they have anything to do, and the weather was really bad a couple of days. And uh, you were telling me you had to use a phone book first, which is that was awesome. Yeah, we used a phone book, which was weird. Mm. This has got numbers in it, all everybody. Yeah, they got all those pages. It's got all those people in it. You can call anybody. It's incredible. Let's put that out there for anybody to use. So they combine the white pages and the yellow pages. Yeah, it's it's indiscriminate. It's only divided up by island, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Anyway, back so uh, my buddy. And his wife and their little four-year-old live in this sort of like apartment complex. And there's lots of other families that live in there. And it's one of those neighborhoods um, that is, I, you forget that the rest of the world is like this because we're guys in our like late 20s, early 30s who live in San Francisco. We're just, there's a knock at the door and then there's just a child there. And he's like, oh, hi, can I come in and play? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, so I was hanging out and, um, there's a knock at the door, and there's these two kids standing there, like an eight year, like two, like they're both eight, eight and nine. One of the kids' name is Claude, which is a good name for a little kid. And uh, this girl, Maddie, standing there, like, uh, hey guys, I'm like, you're not Brian. I'm like, no, like, can we play and hang out? And I was like, uh, come in, I guess. And Brian has an iPad, so usually they just come over to like 
wait till the iPad comes out so they can play with the iPad. <laughs> and these kids like don't classic have, kid. Yeah, like I don't know how to describe this, but these and, like they don't have anything. <laughs> like they don't have the things. other the two kids who came over. Yeah, like these kids have like a few TV channels and they don't have things at all. So we're hanging out. And by hanging out, I mean like just quietly sitting there on the couch and Claude's head is sort of like on a swivel looking for an iPad. Like, how do I play with this thing? I was like, you guys want to play a video? And I was like, you guys want to play a video game? And like, yeah. Like, uh, I think I have something on my laptop and I have like an eight-year-old MacBook Pro. So I opened up Scum VM and we played The Secret of Monkey Island for four hours. That's awesome. For four hours. It was so fucking fun. Oh my God. It was so good. Because I haven't like I played that game a little bit when we worked on Tails, but like, that's it. I haven't played that game in a long time. And I didn't play the game when when uh, it came out on iPad or anything like that. Oh, so you played Special Edition. Is this Monkey Island Oh, music? no, you just played the old one on Scum VM. It's Monkey Island music. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I had these two eight-year-olds there. There was, like, sitting on either side of me. And we had the laptop in the middle. And they would tell me what to say. And I kind of knew. I remembered where some things got, were. got, like, basic puzzle structure. Yeah. Right, but there was other shit. Like, putting those the little puppies to sleep. Like, the poodles. Yeah, we got to poison the meat. Yeah. Yeah. Could not remember how to do that. And these kids have never played a video game. That's really distracting, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. but I can't keep talking. Go ahead. Uh, Sponsor, are- sponsored episodes are musically backed for the duration, so you're going to have to get used <laughs> oh to it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. Uh, yeah, these kids have never played a video game before. Uh-huh. And, I mean, they mean, they played some of that. on the iPad. Yeah, they played, like, little, like... But none of that stuff is narrative. They never, like... Okay, so... They've never played anything, like... The biases come out. <laughs> they've never played... A, you know, I mean, one with a story in it. One that's good. Says video game <laughs> industry writer Sean Vanneman. One that doesn't ask you to put in a coin right. all the time. Sure, yeah. But, uh... Oh, my gosh. It was... It's funny because playing that game made me realize all the things that I had done wrong for the past, like, five years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, With my life? No, like, no, 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 no. Just, like, in just basic... <laughs> I should have never gotten married. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, basic, like, adventure game design and the things that actually matter and have, like, you get emotionally attached to in games. And it was awesome. Like, we would go up... The first time we got stopped by one of the... the when you're searching around the island trying to gather insult sword fighting uh-huh. lines, which they loved, by the way. Once they got yeah, figured that out, whole oh, big hit, big hit. Yeah. But the first time it stops, and Claude is like this, like he's this really quiet kid, and like you can tell, like he's very quiet at school and doesn't like to get pushed around. And um, he's sitting there, and I get stopped by this pirate, and. The guy's like, hey, what do you stop me for? And it comes up and you can say, like, nice night we're having. <laughs> or you can say, I'm Guybrush Threepwood, prepare to die. Yeah. And I was like, I'm reading the choices. They can read, but I'm looking at him like, how about I'm Guybrush Threepwood, prepare to die? He's like, no. Like, add, like, <laughs> do not say that. He will kill you. I was like, I think we're going to be okay, Claude. He's like, no, you cannot say that. And I was like, okay. And he's like, and Claude's like, nice night we're having. I'm like, fine. So every single time we stopped one of those pirates on the path, we always ultimately had to fight them. Yeah. But Claude's first choice every single time was, was like, to try and, and like, it became funny. Down, like, tone down the yeah, situation. Yeah, nice night know? we're having. Yeah. <laughs> like, knowing that we're going to have to fight this guy. <laughs> that's it was that's so, awesome, It was though. so funny. That's the best, because he's not polluted by all of the, like, 
oh, it's an adventure game, so it'll turn out fine anyway. Or like, right, right. we're going to have to do this, so we might as well just like have fun. Like, right. For him, it's like, it's like oh, actual reaction like to my a brother got his fucking ass kicked three weeks ago. You know, that right. sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he's basing it on just like what he knows about real world threats. You know, like, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, so it just he started. We all started laughing about it, and I think he found it started to find it funny. Where we'd get so in just these like fights. being casual the every ner- single yeah, time. The ner- yeah, the ner- like after like our seventh <laughs> one, he's like I hear, I hear him. The moment he pulls up, he's like, "Nice night we're having." <laughs> <laughs> it was just so fun. Oh, oh the best! It was so fun. It was the most fun I've had playing a video game in a long time. Like it was Jake a different. Just got slammed. It was a different type of fun than you and I had playing Spelunky. But it was like I was as I walked away from the experience as sort of like feel goody about games that right. I had in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was also like jokes that like there's so there's the troll on the bridge and he's like, you must give me something of no importance. But so whatever. And you have to give him the red herring. Right. That that took a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just did it. And they're like, why does he want that fish? How did you he just ate it? Why did you know? How did you know that he wanted that? Right. Okay, guys, look. Okay, <laughs> so like right, there's this to, concept. Explaining narrative. to these second graders what a yeah. red herring is, yeah. who are from another country. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess they're. It's a British. I mean, it's it was colonialized, so I think they probably know the turn of phrase. But um, yeah, that was really fun. But also, they didn't know what like Lucas Arts was. Of course. So like, right. there's the Lucas Arts yeah. line out there no in the forest. They were, yeah. they're like, well, this is weird. They understood what the Coke machine was, the grog machine. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. That's uh, awesome. Out of curiosity, how far did you guys get? We got... Like, did you complete the three trials? We beat the Swordmaster. We got the... Um, you got the treasure? Treasure. We... You steal from the governor's mansion? No. We we had to, we ended up just... It was literally the best. The only reason we stopped is because they had to go to dinner. Because it was like, okay, it was... No, no, no. Like, Brian... It was like, okay, guys, it's dinner time here. You guys got to leave. And they instantly were like, got to go, boom, and bolted. Like, no goodbyes. Like, <laughs> it was just a classic kids, kids thing. It's like, hey, guys, it's dinner time. Whoop. Like, made a beeline. They're like, that was fun. Yeah. So. That's pretty good. Did yeah. you let them know that it's available on iPad so that they could just badger the hell out of your friend? Right. I told Brian that it was on iPad. <laughs> well, what I'm going to do is um, their internet's been really bad. Like, they can't download anything there. Like, anything. Like, we. it's really bad. It's like 56K modem bad right now for some reason. So I'm loading up a USB key with like a bunch of stuff on it for him. Like every episode, like 15 episodes of the Bugle. And then I'm also going to include. You're sending him like internet care package? <laughs> yeah. It's better bandwidth than it is if he's. <laughs> yep, that's terrible. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to load it up with ScumVM. But that's awesome of, that you played through games. that game with a bunch of kids. Like the, you said they're like eight, nine? Eight or nine. Yeah. I, Maddie was nine and Cloud was eight. Like, yeah, I wasn't, so second I wasn't and third grade. quite that age when playing those games, but that was probably the age you guys were when, yeah. when Monkey Island yeah. 1 and 2 came out. That's like the age of my younger brother and like sort of our well, collective friend group was around I was there. younger than that when they came out, but when I played them, that's probably once the, Yeah, once they got in okay. my hands, yeah. Yeah. I was like 12 when I, or 12 when I played Full Throttle, 13. Like, I, yeah. Uh, 12. Oh, it was just You You wonderful. hit the like perfect like point on the graph of best adventure game experience because I feel like all those old LucasArts games... Even though I think that the people who made them thought they were making them for like fifteen to twenty-five year olds, mm-hmm. they're so yeah. cool. Well, Ron Gilbert has said that in the past. Yeah. Like he said that to us. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're so cool and enigmatic and just weird and just interesting in every possible way. At least they were to me uh-huh. when I was that age. Like before, I knew quite what the rules of a story were, or what the rules of a game were, yeah. or even yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. before I even fully understood like what comedy is. 
entirely like before it was like in mm-hmm. my brain yeah. as like what's a joke. Right. So it was Absolutely. it is just this crazy experience of like this weird input output with your brain that you don't yeah. entirely know how you're progressing the story, mm-hmm. but you also yep. you do know you're solving problems. But yeah. then also playing an adventure game with a friend is or just with someone else mm-hmm. is always awesome. Oh, or yeah. even like playing an adventure game with someone and you've played it and they haven't and mm-hmm. getting the the vicarious you're enjoying yeah. this so I get to see it through fresh yeah, eyes. Yeah. So like Yeah. I think the best. the state that you describe um is one of the reasons that for me Monkey Island 1 and 2 work so much more than the ones after it is bec- like Monkey Island 3 is ver- is much more conventionally funny and conventionally attractive right then then monkey island one and two was monkey island one and two and i don't know how much of this was deliberate you know on ron's part and how much of it was um just sort of a, a byproduct of like what they were going for and what the tech was at the time and so right. on fidelity but almost. like yeah but yeah. there's a there's they, it exists in this very strange like um hazy area of fiction to me where it's not quite like funny all the time but it's but it is, it has a certain lightness to it, mm-hmm. but the lightness has like a weird patina over it. It has like a nervous energy to it. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, nervous yeah, energy yeah. is a yeah, yeah. great phrase for that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, I think it's really amazing. And I think that it really heightens it, you know, when Jake, as you say, when you're at that particular age where you're still figuring out what all these things are. Yep. And so when, when those weird impulses to try to figure those things out bump up against this very like non-defined like almost ill-defined entity right that is those first two games it, the, the result is amazing i like think monkey island one and two and three and every monkey island game from a just purely structural standpoint they all are very 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 similar yeah but, but structure the, but, stru- but the moment to moment details of, of monkey island one and two do feel way more sort of nebulous almost yeah. and in, i also don't think they- i don't think that someone playing an adventure game especially the first time through and especially without consulting an FAQ all the time, I don't even think you perceive structure very much because but I mean, like, because you move through the game at such a weird, like, um, inconsistent yeah. pace and, like... Sure, that's it, true. It still, has a, it still has the first room that you walk past, there's three guys in the back who say, do these three things and you're a pirate. Like, oh, sure. that's, you know... Sure. But at the same time, when I was a kid, that, that registered just as a thing that someone's asked me to do, but also there's these crazy guys out in the wood with a circus tent. And also I got lost yeah. out in the forest, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I think that they, stuff, it was, it was so cool to watch their minds just be blown yeah. by the fact that like, they feel like, and it's also neat, not because the Bahamas is technically like a, not part of the Caribbean. It's like above the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Technically it's not in the Caribbean sea, but like, they live on an island, which is essentially sure. they're an archipelago. Like mm-hmm. it is essentially the Caribbean. They've been around sort of like the concept of mm-hmm. pirates and voodoo mm-hmm. and all these things. And we're playing this game, so they have all these expectations for it. And they walk. We walk through the. On, we're on Melee Island. We walk through the, the town, and it all makes sense to them. There's a governor's mansion that makes total sense to them because there is a big ass governor's mansion <laughs> in Nassau. Yeah. So this is all. And then we walk into the woods, and there's a fucking circus tent, and it was like. Pfft, that was a huge hit, you know, like just like, oh, there's a circus out here. Like, I was like, what? They couldn't get enough. It was awesome. And That's then amazing. Fo- yeah. Following the shopkeeper that, because what was great is we'd already been playing for a couple hours and they got used to the pace in, in dyna- like the dynamic, the non-dynamic nature of a lot of the setups. Mm-hmm. Like, Sure, there are some guys who walk in down the buildings in the town. They sort of eventually like, realize those guys were set dressing, though. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, when we're walking through those scenes, we're just catching the tail end of the shopkeeper moving through. They're like, follow him, follow him, follow him. And they're like, oh, my God, what if he gets away? <laughs> and, like, 
Oh, that's oh, so good. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really wonderful. Yeah. And also, it's just like, it's so valuable to go back and just, it was like such a valuable experience. I guarantee you, like whatever the heck I end up like make next, like that, it, that is just like going to impact it. Yeah. Like that experience, like all the things that the game did right and being able to see it through fresh eyes like that. And also just, it had been long enough to where I forgot to you had to follow the guy. So he leaves the first time and they're like, take everything. And I'm like, guys, we have everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, like, take, take that. Take, uh, guys, we can't. It's not part of the thing we can take. Yeah. And they were like, don't just steal everything. <laughs> and then, so he leaves and I, they're like, I hit the bell. And when he comes back in, they all laugh. And it's all the nerve, like, is their nervous energy yeah. isn't, like, mm-hmm. is also coming out of right, them. Like, where is that guy? And then when he's just, right. whoop. And they're like, yeah, that timing on him opening the door the moment you hit the bell. Yep. Oh my, it's so good. It's so good. It's it, down to the millisecond great. And, uh, but then when the concept of like, like, I forgot that you had to follow him, but they were like, follow him. I was like, oh my God, they're right. That's what you do <laughs> <laughs> myself, you know? Yeah. And uh, I had forgotten. And it was just, yeah, it was really great. I don't really have much more to say about it other than just, yeah, that yeah. sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, it was really great. Good. Did you guys play any fun games with Kirk while I was gone? Like, I'll sit around and like, <laughs> Yeah, Hot weirdly, seat. we played through Secret of Monkey Island with Kirk for yeah. the first time. He'd never played it before, so he it was really... He was like, oh, that governor's mansion. He yeah. had no idea what a red herring was. Professional writer, <laughs> Kirk Hamilton. <laughs> he never. declared the game to be of extremely high objective quality, so that's a good sign. <laughs> I think that he declared it to be a delicious dish, and he was right. That's true. Yeah. It is quite a delicious dish. I would describe the Secret of Monkey Island as a delicious dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As would Kirk, I hope. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe not. No, it's a tasty morsel, please. Yeah. I really like that. I don't know. It was fun listening to an idle thumbs that I just got to laugh at because I was listening to it. For because time. it was laughable. Because, God damn it. <laughs> no, I don't know. That was a good episode. Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, yeah. What else have you guys been doing without me? Playing any video games? <laughs> I haven't played oh a man, video you Chris, since last you're week. playing a makeable one. You are making the shit out of games though, because of Amnesia yes, Fortnite. That was the only game I've played in the last week. So, I sit at my job at a video game developer where I have the ability, uh, and am in fact being paid, and <laughs> am expected at all times <laughs> to be making video games. Right. But what I might be doing sometimes, a lot of the time always on in a window on my second monitor, is watching Amnesia Fortnite happen at Double Fine. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where that was going. <laughs> I, I am, I'm sitting at my desk at a video game company watching, watching another fix by a different developer develop four games while I'm five making games. five games while I'm making zero games. So it's not good, but it, it's terrible because it is... <laughs> Dan and Kevin don't listen to the podcast, hopefully. Well, okay. It's... <laughs> I'm genuinely suddenly the humble bundle site is uh, blocked by your firewall. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's it's got two things going for it. One, I am just really interested because I just really like video game development, and I just sort of watching other people do it is interesting to me. But also, I mean, just like the choices that are being made and stuff. But also, <laughs> here's the worst part: this is someone has found the reality TV that appeals to me. <laughs> Horrible. Absolutely terrible. It's watching someone else do my exact job. How gross is that? Oh, God. I self-define as one point now. Like, it's all collapsed down. I'm sure, but that's totally totally common, though, right? Because you always hear about how 
the guys, I mean, it's not the exact same thing, but it's pretty similar. Like the guys who, the most hardcore guys who play the super realistic flight sims are like commercial airline pilots and like hobby pilots right, and stuff. Yeah. Like they're dudes who just, they know that stuff inside and out and they just want more vicarious experience. Yeah, yeah but watching Amnesia Fortnite is fascinating and it's, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. it's, it's fun. I watch it sometimes because it's other teams. <laughs> I you, watch, you're like, oh man, what's that space based team working on? Well, oh, <laughs> and then you get the horrible, stupid space balls thing where you're uh, waving the hand at the screen and watching yourself. Exactly. Oh, man, there's some guy making music for a game right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got um, a weird reverb effect that I'm not too into. <laughs> um, no, but all, during every morning, we um, they they stream like the stand ups for each team, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually find myself often I'll watch the ones before and after hours because I'm just curious what's happening with the other teams. That's really because, like, cool. even more so, I mean, double regular double fine. I've talked about this, I think, on the past cast a little before, but regular double fine is already like that, where we're we're usually already making four or five games at once anyway. So there's already that that thing. But where like, it's like the oh, teams are pretty sort of like heavily not, siloed. Like one, like there's not there's not a lot of yeah. No, I mean, they're not. There's nothing forcing them to be siloed. Right, but yeah, it's just, just sort of not like on your own just stuff. By so the way, like, it happens. Yeah. Um, but Amnesia Fortnite's like an intense version of that because these games are getting made. Like you blink and suddenly. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, oh, the, we have a the level. next game over has like, yeah, an actual like character running around now and it didn't yesterday. Um, and so I'll find myself just sometimes watching the uh, watching the uh, lives. Also, I, I, I made this like Tumblr for the studio. And so I find myself just digging into the other teams, like internal concept art forums and stuff just to like. All right. Because your, your other job the... is to be posting public content that everyone else is making. Yeah. And so uh, it's been fun. Just sort of, I don't know. What a like, crazy thing you guys are doing! It's so weird. It is by f- already. Sorry, it's I felt fucking strange. Yeah. I don't the know. Kickstarter I thing was I, I already feel bad like I pretty been crazy. Paying a lot of attention. Well, like to it, yeah, so. We're gonna take a break from our insane Kickstarter thing to do a crowdsourced two week <laughs> game jam that we're it's documenting so live. Much like, like, the f- just no. I, seri- well, so probably for the actual team making the Kickstarter game, maybe it always feels like this to them. I don't know, but like, because um, I'm only sort of tangentially involved with that, but. Uh, being in the middle of an, of this Amnesia Fortnite thing where, where the whole studio is like caught up in it and every single one of us is like madly developing a game over a two-week process and also like thousands of people are watching us do it in extreme detail. Like we'll just – like Greg Grice, uh, our producer, is doing all, the, doing all the publicity stuff for this and like he'll just walk around with a phone and like stop behind someone's desk and like show it and talk to them about it and then – He'll, and then, like, an artist or whoever will load up a Skype cast on their computer and just thousands of people will just watch them paint art in real time for, like, an hour and a half. Uh, it's just it's, – it's, being in the middle of all this is the craziest feeling thing. It is it, – it's silly because it's I, – I can't – I don't I'm actually imagine it will have, like, a big impact on the industry. But it feels like such a crazy, like, un – scene thing it's, no it's rad it is so bizarre there's probably there's probably an artist there from who knows where that has like really 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 weird anxiety about being like on camera that you guys don't know about who just goes <laughs> home every night and it's just like oh my god i gotta go back and they're, the camera's well, gonna come what's by funny, what's funny <laughs> is that um people get over that because they there were people who were super i know that there are some people on the reds team the kickstarter game uh-huh. who are originally like really weird about the cameras but like they're there so much that you, you you just get used to it and then like you know after a couple months later it's just perfectly normal um mm-hmm. and, and at that thought the documentary team themselves smile maniacally <laughs> because that means they're getting all the weird yeah, exactly. shit but another crazy another crazy thing is that we have people um 
like Allison Thomas, who's our office assistant, and Emily Johnstone, who's a an intern. She's a concept artist on Reds, and she's an intern, like she's only here for a semester, and then she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they they are now no like Allison. She's a, she's our office assistant, but she's also like a really talented artist. Mm-hmm. Like she she you know I mean she's her stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so she, for the purposes of Amnesia, For, Amnesia Fortnite, she, like she's a concept artist for uh, Black Lake, which is one of the games. Mm-hmm. And so we have like an office assistant and this intern who's still in school who have done these like live streams to thousands of people who now know their name and know them as artists. And that's like, awesome. Yeah. That's such a crazy. It's really weird. Like that is such a, I, that's like an amazing thing for me to think about. Like that's so cool f- for them. I presumably, mm-hmm. I don't know, but like, it seems like it would be cool that, uh, I don't know. Right. Right. It's a weird, this whole thing is very weird. It's both like structure and reinforcement that allows them to like, think about themselves and broader than what their position might be. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. Yeah. That's really, really rad. Also just on a more like personal level thing. I think it's sweet that you and JP are making a video game about space. Yeah. It's exciting. By sweet. I mean like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's adorable. It's just, Oh, it's so sweet. You guys are making a space game. Yeah. It's a lot of fun making it. Yeah. Anyway, amnesia Fortnite stuff. Yeah. Sorry for talking about a thing that you're doing at work right now, but oh, that's it's, fine. It's, it's been, it's been a brief obsession of mine for the last goddamn <laughs> yeah. week. No, so. it's, it's literally like what I think about when I wake up in the morning. And as soon as I leave the office, I'm thinking about things I want to implement the next day. And like, it's ridiculous. It's, it really has completely colonized every inch of my brain. Like the whole weekend I was just in the office and the whole bunch of other people were just in the office. Like I, I be, I became like a, a measurably like a, better programmer this weekend simply because there were other there were programmers in the office who I could like walk over to their desk on Saturday and be like, Hey, you have any tips for this thing? And they're like, Oh yeah, you're going to try this and this. And then I would like, what sort of stuff are you actually doing on the game? Um, I wrote our adaptive music system. So it like, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Like it's a simple system, but like, it's not, I mean, it's not a crazy complicated thing, but like it, each track, I have two tracks so far and each one has a bass track and then like a danger layer and mm. then like an upgraded layer. And so, so like, you're, you're mixing on, up from the like gameplay side. Yeah. You can like, um, someone like Anna, our gameplay programmer or whatever, like she could write a thing that says, Oh, if, if things are on fire, she could send a trigger to my, to my system that says, Oh, danger levels now 60%. And then it would mix in the danger layer to, to a 60% intensity. And then sweet. So that kind of stuff happens. I'm glad that you guys are supporting the danger layer. <laughs> yeah. The danger layer. Yeah. Always support the danger layer. The danger and so it's layer. also it's also really fun to get to implement my own stuff, which is not a thing I usually get to do. It's also oh, right, yeah. So that's that's like you're, you're really doing fun. music for it, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing the music and then I get to implement the music, which is awesome. So for me, who's not like an accomplished programmer, it's like it's a really exciting opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, so are you, there... you, you you guys sorry, and like wave your right hand if you don't mean to talk about this, but you guys are using the Moai engine that you're using for DFA. Yeah, so we have two engines. Um we have the Buddha engine, which has been used for Every game we've made since Brutal Legend, except for Middle Manager of Justice mm-hmm. and Reds, yeah, um, and it's 3D, and so it's like it's ridiculously right. versatile. So that's being used for all the 3D games. That's three of the games are using that. The other two games are using 2HB, which is our implementation of the Moai engine, mm-hmm. which is 2D. That's what Double Fine Adventure is using. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. so the Moai is the is the engine layer, and then we have an IDE. What language that we call are you 2HB. doing? Uh, so for both of our engines, the engines are programmed in C plus plus, and the right. gameplay is in Lua. Oh, cool. So, okay. so I'm re- so I use Lua. Your systems then, in yeah, cool. That's what we use. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Man. I think that's the common LucasArts uh, route. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think, think that all came true. from 
Grim Fandango era mm-hmm. heritage. Yeah. No. It feels like oh, what the, I like about by, yeah. by the way, the two HP, the stuff we're doing for Moai. Um, we're out, gonna right? we're gonna do an open source release of that. Like, I'm just gonna get future, into that, which is really exciting. I think because it's an awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I'm really excited to see that. It makes it really makes Moai a lot more accessible to someone who doesn't have a team behind them. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have an engine team behind you, like implementing stuff, um, having like this nice IDE that has a debugger and mm-hmm. uh, real time, like real time hop reloading stuff is really it's really really cool. And Moai is there is that an engine that's been around or um, How did yeah, that I mean, it's been around a fair amount of time. It's open source, I think. Okay. So uh, anyone can download it. Um, I think it mainly targets mobile, although our game is PC like all of them. Yep. Neat. Yeah. If you, game you don't know what is, or... you can go to doublefine.com slash Fortnite and find out. I mean, if you don't know what Doublefine is, it's a video <laughs> game developer. Yeah. If you don't, don't know what this is, it's a podcast about video games. If you don't know what a video game or a podcast is, you are confused. You should subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we explain them every week. <laughs> yeah. Did your talk with Kirk make you more excited? or on it, Did it change your excitement level at all, for the better or worse, to play Far Cry 3? Because I'm actually excited um, to play it. it uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of... Uh, the approach I've had to it is this is a game that I'm interested in playing, and I'm not... I, I need to just put it in a different mental space. You, than just, Far Cry 2. you just can't think of it in terms of Far Cry 2 or you're going to hate it. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. The, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point? Like, I didn't, I, I already didn't think of Far Cry 2 as an extension of Far Cry 1, really. I mean, maybe when it was first announced, right. that might have been one I assumed. But, like, as soon as I learned anything about the game, it became clear that's not what it was. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm really curious to play Far Cry 3 because it is a an open world kind of systems-driven first-person shooter, right? right. Like, that's... I would say that's the reason I'm interested in playing it more than because it says Far Cry in the name. Genre as opposed to the brand of it. Well, genre, like intent, right? Like, because I mean, yeah, anything that first person shooters at this point, I don't really flock to. But any game, regardless of core mechanic that is, oh, it's on a huge island and like there's a lot of interacting systems. That's just a thing that I'll probably want to check out, Mm -hmm. you know, any game on a huge island. Well, if it actually, uh, if it actually legitimately isn't, isn't just like Star a bunch of corridors, you know what I mean? Like right. that just have an island painted on the walls, mm. which is what a lot of actual games are mm-hmm. effectively. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to playing. It's too bad that we're, <laughs> this is going to release in a matter of hours I know. and we're recording, we're the, recording this on Monday, not, not really Tuesday. bad yep. at um, this thing we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So that's unfortunate. If you play it tomorrow, you should just turn on the live stream while you do it. I can't yeah. play it tomorrow, but I might. Or when really I late guess. at night. Yeah. Well, whenever. Wake up at two in the morning, four in the morning. With Sean Vanneman. And I won't be live streaming anything that I just go to bed. <laughs> the only reason I put that on you is just because I don't see myself having any time for another while. Yeah. But maybe. Because you got that Fortnite. Yeah. You have. You don't have a full Fortnite left. No. No. Uh, you have developments like over nine the days. end of next Tuesday. So we just uh, just a week. Tons of time. So when we record next week's episode, you're going to be a weird wreck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Maybe we'll move the next week's episode to Tuesday, so you get the full Monday night to work. This is important details. Of the podcast. <laughs> I forgot we're on a podcast for a second. <laughs> Video games. Video games. Hey guys, so as part of the Kickstarter we did that helps bring this podcast back, we offered up a sponsorship package, and this is the first episode to be sponsored, and it's by Megacynics. Oh, Megacynics. Yeah, Jake. 
the webcomic. Oh, the webcomic. By Ash Vickers and Steven Dengler. Mm. It's totally worth your time. It's about video games, culture, all sorts. It's actually more about relationships. <laughs> I don't know. The funny thing about Steve and Ash, not funny, but sort of like really fascinating, is that they are siblings who, after like 20 years, met each other for the first time and now make this webcomic. So that is obviously in the background of it. Yeah, and it's, and it's rad. It's cool. And well-drawn, and Ash draws it, and it's nice. It's like a little window into their life and their relationships, and I think other... It's like, I think... I'm pretty sure all the other people in it are real as well, as far as I can tell. Like um, that time Luke Skywalker showed up? Yeah. Yeah, they I don't think friend, he's in there. Lame Luke Skywalker. It's actually a good time to jump into the comic now, because they actually just did big... Pro- like, there was a story conceit where um, Ash found, like, a one of their friends has been keeping dossiers about all of their friends so every page is like Wait, is this real prof- yeah yeah no i mean like in real life this is happening oh i don't know okay <laughs> it's happening probably in the, not it's happening in the comic <laughs> yeah, in real life there's immaculate dossiers <laughs> i was very confused <laughs> and uh so there's for the past seven issues or whatever or iterations have just been full bleed character bios so it's like a good time to jump in it's at megacynics.com. The guitar's out of tune. It's driving me crazy. The guitar's mega out of tune. Take it away, Chris. Mega oh, Cynics. as part of the sponsorship package, and we'll be doing this forever with any lovely sponsor. <laughs> right, Chris? Yeah, that's a yes. That's a maybe. They get a <laughs> jingle. So yeah, thanks, Megacynics, for sponsoring Idle Thumbs. Thank you so much. Megacynics.com. <laughs> it's a webcomic. I didn't write this in advance. It's about a brother and a sister, and they do things, and they talk about them on the internet. And you can read it for free. Oh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Megacynics.com. Is the web address? Video game. At Coffee Bar? Mm. Across the street? Mm. Um, a guy was like, uh, he goes, oh, that'll be two dollars and fifty cents. And I said, oh, I only have my card. Is that okay? And he says, yeah, people use it for way less. Plus, it's like you wouldn't even need your card if you have the Square app on your phone. And I was like, oh yeah, you guys use Square. And he goes, yeah, it's the wave of the future. And he prints out the thing. And as he says, I'm just going to sign my name. As he goes, yeah, it's the wave of the future. And I was like, oh, it's the wave of the future. <laughs> he goes, what? And I was like, Nothing. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 future, wait, wait, future. God, I was, I was just place. like, incre- like I had like. A complete like, and I like I got half I got through the E in Sean and like my hand kind of jittered <laughs> like I like, like it was seriously like that's the like, most amazing self fulfilling yeah fucking thing like imaginable. A train. I, mean, yeah. I got Sean and I stopped my hand jittered like the future <laughs> what I was like it's yeah. well it is way fully yeah, Howard Hughes yeah I did I, God I was hoping that you were saying you were gonna. That is amazing. But I was hoping that it was going to be the other way around where the guy's like, it's the way of the future. And then you're signing your name and you just hear, way of the future. Like, <laughs> that's him again. Huh? What? Show me all the blueprints. Show me all the blueprints. Oh. Way of the future. It's way of the future. It's way of the future. It's the way of the future. That movie is so affecting. Even thinking about that movie. Yeah, it's really amazing. Even God. thinking about that movie makes me want to say it's the way of the future over and over again. <laughs> I don't know. Like when he's out there at the tarmac or whatever, having one of his fits before mm-hmm. his buddies help him, which is a beautiful fucking scene to end the movie on, by the way. God, that scene is beautiful. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, God. But he starts, when he's, whenever he's having one of his fits and he's like just pawing at his mouth, <sighs> I like, yeah, yeah, I was not, I was not the same person after watching that movie because of those scenes.
Man. We say way of the future all the time. Now. Video game. Are we back? Are we back? Hey, Sean, are we back? Oh, oh, we're not back. Okay, we're back. The sweet, sweet silence of a sealed window means that's what I. That's the four S. It's S four. The sweet, sweet silence of a sealed. It's the S four window, guys. No, it's not. This episode is brought to you by the S four window. Where's that guitar? Novella I'm writing. <laughs> sweet, sweet silence of a sealed window. A sealed window. <laughs> My novella. That's that's the February selection for the Adult Book Club. No, that's a that's a serial being published in the New York. Oh, the sweet, sweet, sweet silence of a sealed window. A serial. <laughs> if I write a novel, yeah. can we read it for the Adult Book Club? No. Yeah. Okay. God damn. We'll read it for Mega McCheese. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be the follow up to the Captain Picard meets the X Men episode. <laughs> Captain, yeah, yeah, Planet X, I think is the name of that book, according to the internet. All right. So, Adrian writes, hi, Thumbs. Do you think the terms game and video game carry a certain stigma which carries through into the popular culture? Games are popular culture. Games are much more accepted now than <laughs> Did they... Did he do that, or was that you? No, that was just me. Oh, okay. That was you butchering his email. Purple culture. <laughs> Games are much more accepted now than, say, 10 years ago, but you still see them being treated as a childish hobby in the larger media now and then. See the WoW-playing governor in Maine early... I think that was a state senator, not a governor, but um, see the WoW-playing politician in Maine from this year, if you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, you see the label interactive entertainment or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you look at film, things tend to be branded as a movie or a film, depending on the content contained. Mm -hmm. I think it depends who the person is. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Keep casting those pods long and hard, Adrian. P.S. I'm soon to be working on The Wizard for a new piece of functionality at the software company where I work. It makes me laugh whenever my manager says he'll be working on The Wizard. <laughs> All right, that's a valid thing to laugh at. I hope your wizard working is gone. On the wizard I hope your, wizarding, your wizard is gone. Oh, now. I've been working on The Wizard all the Wivlong day. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Podcast is over. Oh, that's fine. See you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just, let's just go ahead. I think... For the purposes of this discussion, let's step past the movies, film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think. Um, it was funny. I was having a conversation today uh, with a friend about The Walking Dead, and I, oh, I hate to bring it to that, but I'm going to. Because it's not really a traditional... It's not a very traditional game, and it doesn't really have like a win condition. It's just sort of a thing you experience, and it kind of keeps saying, yeah, do that. You, Yeah, do that. Um, yes, as much as possible. And... You know, like my my mom is really into the game. Like, and I don't. It. She started playing it because uh, she birthed me. Uh, that was her first step to getting the Walking Dead. <laughs> that was how she got that free copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she she paid for them. Please, mom. Okay, no free rides for mom. Um, but eighty uh, six. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where I think she's had a really like enjoyable experience, and I think it's something she's really liked but it's hard to say hey mom play this video game so i mean also it's not necessarily i mean i guess i guess she could go from that to another game but it would have to be another adventure game basically like she's not right like she's not going to go from that to like she's not going to pull the she's not going to call pull a mrs brecken right exactly that's what you're asking yeah Yeah. if you loved the experience of playing the walking dead skyrim yeah yeah not to say that she wouldn't get enthralled by Skyrim. Sure, but not. But it would have to be a. It would just have to also be a coincidence that she. Yeah, it'd have to be like you would have had to make it, or she would have had to birth Nick Brecken, <laughs> or I will just tell her that I made Skyrim. 
that yeah, oh god that's like know. there's i may have actually told this story on the podcast but daniel herrera he's a, a cinematic artist oh, yeah. at telltale his grandparents have no idea what video games are or really what computer animation is so mm-hmm. he sort of was like oh you know like the affleck duck in the affleck commercials <laughs> it's kind of like that but like um you know because he does like he does in-game cinematics yeah. so now his grandma just tells all of her like grandma aged friends that her grandson makes the Aflac duck. <laughs> yeah. So I love that that's what he jumped to as a yeah. thing. Exactly. Not Mario. Yeah. That was, yeah. Or like Pixar or yeah. something, I guess. Wasn't that Steve's thing where he a relative of Steve's was just convinced that he makes the levels in Mario forever? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, I mean that's, that's kind of a classic it. story. Yeah. But but I mean I make the Aflac duck is my favorite <laughs> of all. It's a really those. good version of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean I do think the the we have to first to tackle this question. We have to accept that the words that we use matter, and I do think the word "game" and "video game" matters when you hear it. It has charge and meaning. So yes, no matter whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, it has it. I think it affects people's uh, interpretation of it, it being something they want or not. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think. A lot of the content that is labeled as a game or a video game is something that people who are put off by the term game or video game yeah. would like. And I think that is really the issue. Well, and a lot of it a lot of it does not fit that category too, though, right? Like of a course. lot of it is like way up in their face all the time. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting that um that MoMA the in New York uh announced their new video game exhibit i think it's part of the or not i mean i think it's actually part of their permanent collection yeah they're, they're and collecting they, video they announced now. you know the first 13 games and you said that's moma I, I thought that was a person the museum of modern art sorry yeah no. and uh cooking moma uh, <laughs> nice um and uh the first 13 games they announced i don't i could be wrong about this but i think none of them or maybe just one or two at the most um but pretty much none of them ha- actually were games that are about someone who goes around killing everything or shooting everything uh, mm-hmm. It was really interesting. Like, I mean, and it was a really widespread of games, and it was I, they were picked from a very diverse. Do you have off the top of your head what some of those might be? Uh, Pac-Man was one of them. Let me uh, let was me load it? it up because the thing so. that I liked about it is that uh, they weren't just like you know Pac-Man and Pong and things like that. It was actually equally spaced from like yep. 1980 to now oh, cool. which is which is unusual so um let me actually i should have had this list but i didn't think of it until just now so. i can think of some that i hope are in there all right so there are 14 in the collection here it is and they said they're working on expanding the list out it's yeah they have a much bigger list and the bigger list i think does start to have more and this is gonna this is an exhibit no i think they're actually part of their permanent collection sort of, oh okay. i think it seems like the reason that it's not just oh we have these is because they're working with the people who create or own the rights to these games to somehow give themselves a permanent license to yeah. own to just right. have an so here's here's yeah. the list i'm gonna read the, the years because i think it's cool that it, they, they're spread for evenly um actually they're more biased towards the new which is unusual actually, yeah you wouldn't think so yeah. so pac-man 1980 tetris 1984 another world 1991 missed yeah, 1993 yeah. SimCity 2000, 1994. Vibribbon, 1999. The Sims, 2000. Katamari Damacy, 2004. Eve Online, 2003. Great. Dwarf Fortress, 2006. Portal, 2007. Flow, 2006. Passage, 2008. And Cannibal, 2009. That's so a fantastic lineup. It is. It is a fantastic lineup. Do you think it's sort of like... I mean, okay, so MoMA, we can just for the sake of argument say is going to exist in 300 years 
Do you think they it's... have a good chance of doing that at least? Whatever. As for the sake of cultural, for the sake of as far as cultural institutions go, sure. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's sort of like almost re- like a, a like an attempt to? Don't you mold think Doom the, should be in there? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know I what I mean. Just yeah. as like, let's at least pretend it happened. You know, don't, not, don't pretend. You know what I mean? You know, that's a tough call. I think it's really tough to say if you look at it three hundred years from now, right? Because I think there are probably a lot of. I think there are probably a lot of works of art in other media that were really important for mechanical reasons that maybe like hundreds of years later or like a century later are less important, uh, are seen as ultimately less important in terms of their specific artistic contributions. Mm. And I don't know if that'll necessarily be true of Doom. In fact, right. a lot of people would probably say that's very unlikely to be true of Doom. Right. But I'm just, you know, just to frame the my response, I guess. I hear you. Um, and I wonder if maybe that that's the case. I don't know. I mean, it def- they definitely have a perspective, right? Yeah. But I think that's totally valid for for art curation to kind of things from Yeah, I mean, it is a certainly a curated list as opposed to like something like the Smithsonian, which is trying to, which is or still like the cu- Library of Congress, right? Or which is still curated, but more. It feels like the mission of the Smithsonian is more about like they're trying to just establish a timeline of important events, almost. Yeah. Right, right. Like, where it feels like obviously MoMA's mission is more. This is a selection of works that we think yeah. are important for the presumably for the traits, contribution to the, modern art. Yeah, exactly. But just the traits that MoMA, the, the institution, right. finds. Important. And the other thing, the other thing is that the people that made Doom successful. Okay, so I'm getting into thorny territory here, but whatever, I'm going to go for it. Uh, <laughs> The people who made Doom successful are the same people – in a lot of cases, there's a strong overlap with people who would also try and argue for a lot of just what are kind of nerd canonical like action movies to be considered in like top movies of all time lists where that probably wouldn't be the case yeah, yeah, if you but, look at like <laughs> the American Film Institute. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm hearing you. I'm thinking the therefore of your thorny wandering is questionable. Like you know what I mean? I think – But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean I don't, I don't want to just – fall into a hole talking about why doom isn't included in the moment list but i would no, say i know exactly where it's not and i talked yeah. myself into it a second ago yeah. just one difference though between the what, what you're saying and i think a thing that a museum would look at is that the development community like the people who actually create oh, no, the works that are in the moment would probably shortlist doom a lot more quickly than they would shortlist a lot of other games yeah. that right. fall on the same genre shelf as doom. no right. you're definitely right i mean right. doom is foundational in right clearly in but no you know what's funny is i'm not i i I'm almost want i almost wanted to retract the conversation topic after rehearing the word curate in my head a couple times mm-hmm. because that is that is a wonderfully curated list you know and that's what it is as opposed to like the moma coming out and saying these were the games yeah that I al- that shaped yeah. the history of the of the industry i also feel like um, well, and the history of the industry is an interesting way to look at it because right. because an art museum doesn't give two shits about exactly. the industry and they right. exactly shouldn't. exactly um, no and that's and that is where it is what a thing like the Smithsonian would care about though exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also think that there's probably just inherent value in not attempting to canonize the same games that are already really obvious right like exactly what's the point in replicating games like the games that GameSpot would likely call the top. Right. 13 games right, so right? like cool there's no real need there, to, yeah exactly yeah. like gamers have 8 million billion trillion places they can find someone of relatively recognized authority in this medium and or field declaring doom one of the best and most important games like there mm-hmm. that th- that has those words have been written so many mm-hmm. times that we probably don't need yet another cultural institution mm-hmm. to do it and if something like moma is going to do it they might as well come at it from the angle that they come from mm-hmm. things at with that didn't was not a sense. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Anyway, um, I uh, this was 
I had a totally separate response that is like a completely different track from this that I guess I'm going to like just rewind the whole conversation. That's fine. If that's okay. And go back to The Walking Dead. Mm. Um, also excluded from that list. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, so this, Momo. So, <laughs> um, so this, this has absolutely nothing to do with that conversation. Or maybe it does somehow, but it doesn't in my brain right now. Um, so one of the things I think is interesting about the term video game and about The Walking Dead is that, you know, Walking Dead, like, as you say, like, it's not a traditional video game. Like, it's not really a game in a strict sense. Like, there's no game, there are very few game rules going on. Like, the closest thing to that, I guess, is, like, the quick time event sequences because there is an actual, like, rapidity being measured and it's going up against, like, a threshold. Right. But those are the, those are the parts of the game that, to me, feel the least at home Right. In that game, right? right. And they like also the, feel like things you could just yoink out. Exactly. And the game would stand up just right. fine without them. Um, and so I – and I, if I think of the me of like five years ago, I probably would have been more put off by something like The Walking Dead, right? Where it's like – it's just very clearly not a game. And I, mm-hmm. I would have been more in my like just all about systems kind of evaluation, mm-hmm. um, which I still have like as a facet. But mm-hmm. I'm starting to think um, that – uh, you know, we talk a lot about writing in games and how a lot, we're often dissatisfied with the state of writing in games and how it's just so much of it feels like every single other game, right? Mm-hmm. And feels exactly like the same narrow set of influences from other media and things and so on. Um, I'm wondering if maybe what should actually happen, I mean, should, a thing that might be fruitful to happen uh, would be just figuring out how to get good writing into a game on like a separate track to trying to figure out how to integrate writing well into an, into like a highly interactive setting. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's really nice about the walking dead is that even though the interactive parts are totally authored, like even though each of those branches you had to like manually write yourself, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure was really time consuming and headache inducing, but like, but you know, you did it and, um, and you didn't have to worry about like a generative thing like putting a sentence together out of thin air, right? So like you didn't have to bite off the really granular um, systemic Yeah, the chunks of The Walking Dead that are pieced together are big enough. But you still managed to get good writing into a video game, right? Even though you didn't have to solve some of the core problems that are sometimes associated with getting good writing into a video game, obviously it was still more complicated than just writing that stuff on a page. But I wonder if that's not... Maybe that's just what game industry should do, right? Like maybe... Maybe we should focus on the good writing side of things. Let's just get some games with good writing in them, right? Like instead of trying to simultaneously tackle that and also this other like equally ridiculously hard challenge of how do you – how do you integrate – writing well into a video game without without just stomping all over the game or stomping all over the Mm -hmm. writing. Like The Walking Dead is just very upfront. It's like – this is a game where all this content is authored and like the choices you make will result in something that someone decided like very concretely. This is the, if this character in this situation makes this choice, this is the fallout of that. Right. And, and like that is some, that's like just core, what core good writing has to be able to do um, at some level. And I think there's the other really interesting part of games, which is, which is the fuzzier version of that, mm-hmm. where things just happen be- as the crazy, unpredictable result of these systems. And like, mm-hmm. that's just weird. But most of the time, that tends in games to get paired with, like, sandwiched in between 
these cutscenes that are completely disconnected from that. Right. Like they have absolutely no interplay with it whatsoever. You just you do a bunch of really interesting, emergent, like generative, cool game game stuff, and then you have to sit through three minutes of just one hundred percent authored nonsense, which is ironic because that game, which at its core features a game that is more robustly interactive than The Walking Dead, but the actual written parts of it are mm-hmm. less so. Right. Which yeah. is, I mean, like, that's, that's we kinda, absurd. We kind of talked a little bit about this. Who had a really great... It was, no, Tom Bissell's review of Skyrim that he wrote uh-huh. for Grantland, uh-huh. which was... Got to oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to the flip side of this, which is just sort of, like, yank out all that bespoke yeah, narrative exactly. content of Skyrim and just let it be what it is. Yeah. Let's let it be this game where you're having these insane, these wild interactions and experience like these clash of systems and mm-hmm. you know an mm-hmm. rpg space yeah and i really love, love that article and i i mean you know i think there you might be i think you might be right i mean i think it's easier i think he's definitely right i don't think you have to yank out all the writing i think no. you can leave the bits that they're that are actually important just to set the tone of the world and so mm-hmm. on i think what you don't have like did you did you guys see the uh have you guys watched those conan Conan O'Brien reviews video games thing. No. Oh my God. They're amazing. It's incredible. Uh, they're really good. And I, it made me wish more, more game reviewers would actually take games on their face in the way Conan does. And he's someone who doesn't play video games and doesn't give a shit about video games. Right. So when something makes no sense in the game, like he'll just mention it. And it's, it's a thing. Right. Some of them are things that there's just no excuse for doing. Like he plays through all of this shit in this, in Hitman Absolution. Uh-huh. And then he gets to the prologue and he's like, well, what? What was what was all that stuff? <laughs> like, which that is just there's no excuse. That's not like oh games are hard. No, that's just you're not using words right. Right. Um, or like you're in Chicago, but it just looks like the wilderness. You know, I mean, there's just right. things like that. But um, there are other things that are just You've never the, been to Chicago. It's just the wilderness. Right? That's what it is. <laughs> there are other things that are just you know the result of weird interactive systems that gamers just completely overlook because they're accustomed to it. Right. But to him are silly. But he he did one with Skyrim. And there was this whole thing where he talked to this woman and she gives him this big tale and like she, her whole life story. So first of all, he's Sorry. baffled by walking up to this woman and then she immediately just starts <laughs> explaining the history of her life. Right? Hey, look, lady. I just like, passed yeah. it. I and then it. she's like, oh, I really want this like mountain boar tusk or whatever. And like this. And so he's like, oh, man, right, I'm going to go get this for her. And like this is good. he's like this huge thing. He's got to call in like his producer buddy to help him kill who's actually plays games to help him kill this big monster because conan can't do it and like he gets it back and it's big and he gives it to her and she's like okay great and she walks away and it's just the most absurd <laughs> like if you had this interaction with someone in the world yeah it would be insane it's like first i need you to about. go out into the wild Wait, first here's and, my entire life story yeah second i need you to do this insane this thing incredibly dangerous risk life and limb for this like, difficult thing oh thanks oh, so oh anyway great. thanks bye cool um and it's and, like those are the kinds of things that that game like the writing is actually harming that game yeah, 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 at that yeah, point. Yeah. Like you don't need to turn it into just blank white box game with nothing in it except right. guys killing each other. You can still have characters have barks and say things and yeah. like interact in casual ways. But why go out of your way to sabotage right. the the believability of your world? You right. know, it's so strange. You know what's funny is like – I two points. <clears throat> One, yes, I think – smaller bespoke well-written games could maybe build a foundation of quality writing that then we could then as an industry build upon. and like um learn hit singles before we're trying to like what steve is doing yeah. and what brendan chung does yeah, I was just gonna say like things. those are all examples of games that those games are not pretending to be more in the game de- department than they are no. right like and so 
I, I feel like if people – if They're building just enough framework to tell the story that they want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like as a way to kind of backdoor just actually good thoughtful writing into games – that's great. Like, that's great. Yeah. And then when, when you get to something like what Brendan's doing, he's just like fundamentally experimenting with structure and like an even more crazy way. Right. Um, that's just cool. Like, that's really I, – I think that's great. To that point, I think it is cool that the IGF this year As split a out a specific yeah. narrative category. Yeah. Which yeah, – I agree. That's they neat. did that, I think – well, they did it as a reaction to a lot of really narrative heavy mm-hmm. or even like – nearly narrative only stuff like what you're talking yeah. about was submitted like well, last, last year, year there was dear esther, dear esther yeah. but yeah this year there's, oh there's gosh, more stuff the, like that i had an interaction with a mother in nassau who's like oh you, you're i was like she's like so what do you do and i said oh i work in the video game industry you probably don't know what i'm talking about she's like, oh have you played that game dear esther <laughs> what <laughs> yeah amazing anyway we talked about dear That's esther awesome. then for half an hour that kind of thing <laughs> is the reason i think by the way MoMA is taking the right approach for their oh, completely. For what they're doing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, what good is it going to do anybody to show yeah. people who go to MoMA more games yeah. where your head blows up forever? Yeah. Well, well it just, yeah. If it's literally that. <laughs> That's true. That actually is 100% appropriate for the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, like, anyway, yeah. here's the toilet that a guy signed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a head blowing up forever. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I retract that statement. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but, you know, this is my last point, and this isn't... I think we should probably end on that note, but... <laughs> what? No, we have, like, 16 more reader mails. Oh, no, no, no. i end this conversation on that We note. should probably end the but, podcast forever. You know what? I was playing... So, I used to play WoW, um, and... I got my haircut by a lady who had never played a video game before and played WoW, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, it feels like a, like a thing yeah, that could happen. It's totally though. a thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was the governor. Oh, sorry. I mean, a politician. Oh. <laughs> I'm the governor. She's... <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. No. I almost went down a track of talking about, like, hairstyles. Moms. We play WoW. Which is not at all interesting. Oh, oh yeah. When I was... When I was a sorry, WoW mom? When Where's I, that ad campaign, by the way, where the word WoW flips over and says mom? <laughs> <laughs> that one's for free, Activision. It's like those... Have for you guys seen free. this episode's brought to you by WoWmoms.com. Have you guys seen that? And that logo is just you guys an animated have seen this. spinning around and around. You guys have seen those commercials for Mormons, right? Where it's like, I'm a Mormon. Wait a minute. If, what it, if, if it was like, I play World of Warcraft and I'm a mom. If it's like the whole first two minutes is right. like juggling five kids, have two jobs and just like to get home and, and, and you know, log <laughs> into my, kids. my black elf mage or whatever <laughs> they have in that <laughs> yeah. game. And it's like, and then, and then you cut to like having a voice chat with her mom friend and like, then they talk about setting up a play date with their kids. <laughs> and then it gets to the end. I'm a mom. And I play play WoW, and then mom. And then, no, then up. it says www.wowmom.mmm because they buy that TLD just for just for <laughs> so this. So that's a URL. Can, yeah, Ag- Blizzard, whatever the name is, Viv, 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 Vindy, Blizzard, Activision, Activision, Blizzard. That's what they're called. Yes. Yeah. That that company, as a large conglomerate, could probably drop the half a million dollars necessary to, to be considered for a for a CTLD. Yeah, for a dot mmm. Wow, mom. We can move on. <laughs> anyway, that's what people Sean something about video games. To say at some point, yeah, Sorry, it's Sean. not a big deal. You gonna talk about moms? No, it was just really great quest writing once in WoW because what you play that game. I think at the end, of, I didn't play that much, but when I logged out, I had like when I said goodbye, I had seventeen days accrued. I didn't oh. play that much. Half a month of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, that's not a lot for no. It's not average. The average WoW player, but the average wow mom so you get in this rhythm right of having really bad quest dialogue thrown at you and sometimes it's funny mm-hmm. and you know you get in that sort of mmo rip, rhythm ribbon 
And, uh, but then I did a quest where I found a comb for like an undead queen. And I had one of the most like beautiful payoffs ever. You, you give her this thing. She remembers it. She's like, Oh my God, where'd you get this? And then like, she sings this like really sad aria and all these like ghosts come out of the ground and then it's over. She's like, anyway, thanks. Like, and it was, I still remember that as like, I'm like, so I walk, the point is I walk away from your Skyrim Conan story. And I don't think that form necessarily dictates the narrative content. That just seems like, yeah, you wrote some bad quest dialogue because over here, I've had an experience in a game no, no, where no. I went like, holy yeah, shit. Sure. I'm not saying you can't yeah. have a character that says a lot of things. I'm just saying don't operate on the assumption that you need to fill every hole with right. just yeah. words everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Like yeah. those games are absurd. Yeah, that I agree with. Also, have you? I have a question. Um, this is a long ass reader mail. <laughs> I, have a, I have a Sean question for oh, you. Oh, Sean writes. So I'm just, I'm trying to finish up Dishonored. Yeah. And uh, I've been playing with Quest Arrow off. That might have to stop. Mm. It's taking me forever. <laughs> uh-huh. But things like this is like tips and tricks moment. Things uh, like yeah. people as an album yeah. so like quest related knowledge. Does that live in the books and stuff that you find? Because I just keep reading these books mean? and they go in the journal. You know, like I open a book and it's like, oh, you've read this thing. It's added to your journal, even though I never read it. Mm-hmm. They're just literature fucking everywhere, which yeah, is yeah, cool. Yeah. But I don't read any of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got to open this a safe over here. Right. And I'm trying to figure out. Do I, I have know, to I find that in a my, book? I've never looked at my journal, or I've never looked at the place those get recorded. All right, and, but and you've fin- you've completed this game. No, I haven't. Okay, so who knows? Yeah, I don't know. All right, I'll, I bet nobody knows. If you're Harvey Smith, please write me at my email address. Good. If you're Harvey Sean. Smith, you'll know how to find me. All right. Um, <laughs> Questions at idlethumbs.net yeah. slash Sean. <laughs> Tom Crisp writes, hi, Thumbs. My name is Tom Crisp. Well, and my brother Sam and I are fans of your work and podcast all the way from Adelaide, Australia. I'd love to surprise my brother with a special birthday gift. He turns 20 on December 19th, and I wondered if you could help me by recommending a book to read. He's studying computer graphics, and he would like to be a game developer. He was in a team for the Peter Molyneux Game Jam, and his game was called The Spandex Parable. So if there's a book you found helpful in the early days of your career, I think that would be a great gift for me to buy him. Thank you, guys. And I really appreciate your time and humbly await your response. Tom Crisp, Adelaide, Australia. P.S. Great to hear on the Tested.com Octobercast. That was us. Uh, it's, it's, I didn't really read game dev books, but... Um, well, first off, say Tom Bissell twice in one podcast, but his book, uh, Extra Lives, is mm-hmm. really great. It's a really, really great uh, read about the game industry. And if you're getting into it, it's totally worth reading. So check that one out. A. Um, I always find like books on people's process, especially when I was in college, really formative. And not so I could ape process, but just understanding the idea of when you're getting, whether you're a programmer or an artist or a writer or a designer or whatever, like figuring out how you work is something I spent, you spend like the first three years of your career doing that. You're in this space around all these other people trying to make this thing on a took deadline. Me longer than that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> took me longer than that. Yeah. It's just really hard. Like it's just really, really challenging. And I find books on people's process. I read a book called my first movie. That is just all these film directors talking about the first movie they've ever, they ever produced and what the, what that was like. I read a book called, um, gosh, whoops there uh, it's uh, just writers on writing things like that 
Um, Paul Pope's book, I can't remember the name of it either, but it's this large format sort of coffee table book. In the middle of it, he just sort of gets into the creative process. And it's very philosophical and Paul Pope's that type of guy. But that book, I think I read it right as I was just, get, just getting started. And I would flip through it while sitting on my couch. And the way that that guy treats his, his craft and the way he's just sort of a student of it was like formative. It makes, makes you realize that you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> You've just been in school checking boxes. And to actually do the work and take it seriously, like that's something you have to learn to do. So I don't know. Books like that always help me. I don't have any good examples of books, especially game development books, because I haven't really read them. Yeah. But um, uh, related to what you say about kind of writers on writers, um, uh, these have been very helpful to me just kind of passively over the years. Um, I listen to a bunch of literary podcasts, but there are two that I listen to that are specifically only ever author interviews. And um, it's the uh, BBC World Book Club and Bookworm um, with Michael Silver with Michael, yeah. And they are both fantastic. Bookworm has the worst intro music that's ever been <laughs> recorded in the history really of the goddamn world. So I actually, I, <laughs> I use um, uh, software called Beyond, or, uh, yeah, Beyond Pod on my Android phone and I know exactly how many times to tap the like, the quick jump. The quick jump <laughs> yeah. to get past it. It's, it's, I'm like, I got it down because I hate it so much. So don't let that scare you off. Um, but the BBC World Book Club, um, hosted by Harriet, Gilman, uh, Harriet Gilbert and Bookworm, hosted by Michael Silverblatt, they're both, um, they're both writers. And uh, I think actually um, Harriet Gilbert has published a couple novels. I haven't read them. But um, they talk to authors on every episode and they're just fantastic. I mean, they're very low-key. You know, it's nothing like nothing like Idle Bones. Um, it's one of the things I really like about literary themed podcasts is that you know they are very, they're generally speaking fairly low key. Even the ones that are that have lively discussion and uh, just hearing authors because their craft is entirely about assembling words in insightful, interesting, um, eloquent, and elegant ways. They're good at speaking too, quite frequently, and. I find that that makes them particularly good for this kind of thing, which is, which is an insight into process and craft. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're good at, at phrasing those things. Whereas in in some cases, you know, musicians and filmmakers are not necessarily always quite so adept at that or game developers, you know, it doesn't mean they aren't smart and have good things to say, but I find writers are often better at just putting those things concretely. Um, so I, I love those, those podcasts and I listen to them religiously and I've gotten a huge amount of valuable insight uh, out of them. And I would recommend them to just people doing creative work in general. Um, yeah. Oh, and then a book, actually. Um, uh, Let's Talk About Love, A Journey to the End of Taste by Carl Wilson is a really fascinating – it's a really interesting concept. So it's part of this series of books called 33 and a Third. Each book is about an album. And most of them are just kind of fairly traditional critical examinations where they just – you know, they delve into the whole album often track by track and just do kind of rock criticism and typical stuff. Um, this one is not that. This is a book by a a Canadian, a French Canadian. I think he's a French Canadian because uh, he's from he's from Ontario, so presumably. And uh, he um, so he's from the land of Celine Dion, and he wanted to investigate why Celine Dion is so incredibly popular but why she's also so despised. And he's someone who just kind of by default spent his whole life 
just disliking her just because if you're a certain mm-hmm. kind of person right. with certain kinds of taste and you're in a certain class and like group, you know, demographic, you your mind has kind of already been made up before you've thought about it ever. And um, that's kind of what the book is about is why do people have the taste they do? Why does it ta- why does taste so reliably break sort of sort itself among certain demographic groups and classes and what does that say about us and what does that say about the work and it's a really it's a really intellectually honest attempt to engage with something that that if he hadn't made this conscious choice he just never would have done so naturally yeah. in his life um, and it's a really incredible it's a really incredible read and I'd recommend it um, and again the, all the things I just said are very general just like people working in creative fields they're not can help you specifically learn how to like program a thing or make an art or whatever. But um, I think developing a sense of taste and understanding of uh, general principles of looking at things, like looking at just holistically creating things, I mm-hmm. think is valuable. No, I agree. So, yeah. All right. Um, let me go back to my email clients. All right. Andrew says... Hi, do you ever get worried that because of the number of games getting made, mainstream indie and hobbyists, especially with the increasing popularity of game jams, that you're missing out on unique game experiences, perhaps even whole genres? The, the genre I'm most interested in, roguelikes, had at least 185 games released in 2011, and this year's 7DRL game jam saw 63 new roguelikes created over a week, some of which are really interesting different games. No person could possibly keep up with even this one niche. Uh, also, you should check out the roguelike brogue at some point. Regards, Andrew Duell. Yeah, I have this real... I, Jake, you want to say you want to say something? I'm listening. It's <laughs> so bad. Every time you you ask a question, I'm like, I know what I'm going to say, but no, I have this really like, I, I realized this like recently, and it kind of freaked me out a big time that I only kind of stumble upon like, I'm a really bad archaeologist, so I only kind of stumble upon games and new experiences as they bubble up the sur- onto the surface, mm-hmm. and that surface is generally you guys telling me something that you think is cool or something you heard about or it cracking the top 10 on steam. Right. And that's not good. <laughs> you know, when it comes to, yeah. you know, hopefully I'll be able to play some IGF stuff. It looks like, are you right? an IGF judge? Uh, cause that's an awesome way to be on the front line of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I was asked like today to do, do it, oh, do it, do it. <laughs> so I think I'm doing it. <laughs> cause then you'll have stuff to talk about. Yeah. I have, I have to write back, back to, to Mr. Boyer. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think I will yeah, um, definitely do it. And then you're just on the list every year. Brandon, if you're listening, yes. <laughs> I'll email you tomorrow. Though. If you're not listening, I guess you don't hear our then podcast and fuck you. Fuck you. you. <laughs> Fucking um, Venus Patrol. is a website and you should visit it. This when they sponsor you... our next episode, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway uh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's the thing that kind of occurred to me is I went my sort of like it's great because i have netflix right so like i can just i watch i've been watching a lot of weird movies i'll just mm-hmm. kind of dig through yeah like here are my the options that i can stream and yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll crack something open that's not mm-hmm. at the top of any list sure and just uh, but i don't do that with games and it freaks it's a lot me, harder. It, it kind of like freaked me out recently where i went i'm really i have such a narrow like porthole yeah i'm looking into the ocean out of the submarine and i'm looking through this one porthole and if it doesn't go by that then i'm not playing it and that porthole is just like you and jake out there in dolphin suits and then it's the steam top 10 mm-hmm. and jake good image doesn't play video games so that's not true eh. okay. you know what i mean though 
Do you find it hard to find that? I mean, obviously you find it hard to find stuff now that you're not working in the industry. Now you're working on the journalism side of the industry. Yeah. Um, I would say it's harder. Uh, yes. I mean, there are, it is, it's just overwhelming. It's absolutely true. Yeah. 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 It's hard. It's so really people hard. need to stop making games because we can't play them, I think is really the thesis statement. Yeah, is stop much. having game That's jams, fair. stop putting things into the ether. Yeah. Only put things out that end up in our mailboxes, please. Um, Jack Waugh says, just thought you guys should know there's a free iOS game called Jurassic Park Builder. I wasn't expecting it to be amazing, but then I saw the sexy Jeff Goldblum appear in sprite form, and now it has moved into pole position on my list of favorite all-time games. Keep up the casting, Jack. That's it. I just wanted to pass on that that awareness <laughs> he included a screenshot that's really good oh i didn't see it well we can't see it now no we can we can post that maybe it's on good the radio <laughs> on the blog yeah we'll yeah. put it on the blog um <laughs> uh it's, okay well i will describe it because it is jeff goldman with his shirt unbuttoned two or three too many buttons with a coat over his shoulder uh, and a hand in his pocket looking super casual on the pop-up note like it, it's he's in front of an error message that's coming up that says the dinosaurs aren't the only ones who get restless you know what so that's probably necessary for us to put on the blog wow that's totally not what i expected no okay well good wow Mm. (laughs) (laughs) uh okay that is an artfully rendered gold (laughs) bloom it is uh Mm. alan says Dear Thumbs, during the Ruination cast, you were asked about your favorite dead video game series, and Super Black Bass was mentioned as an example. Well, have I got news for you. Super Black Bass 3D. One of the box quotes on the Amazon page says, Upgrade yourself. Sell the fish you catch to buy new gear, which implies you're some sort of cyborg who relies on fish currency to buy augments. Anyway, (laughs) thanks for the cast. Alan Mohall. So, that's a real thing. That was an important public service announcement. Super Black Bass is not not only back, but it maybe never left on the Nintendo 3DS. But also lives... (laughs) It lives in a weird cybernetic dark future where fish yeah. must be sold for upgrades <laughs> to your man. Fish sold. To like, I like the fish you catch is like a... Like or a it's s- like, nice bass. <laughs> or whatever. What does it say? Like, that's a fine size yeah, fish. Yeah, that one's okay. Yeah, stuff like this. Yeah, that's a fine Except sized na- fish. Na- you can make a delicious dish from that bass. So, Jake, I think you have some kind of story oh, to relate this here. Is an important, this is an important update. Um... A while ago, in August, a guy named Gary Oates, whose name is spelled Gary <laughs> O-A-T-S-E, which I can't get over <laughs> because his name spells a thing. G-O-T-S-E. Because his name is G-O-T-S-E. He wrote us uh, about thoughts on Steam and some other things like that. Oh, he was he was the guy who asked if we had thoughts on Steam branching out to sell things other than games like magazines and movies and software. Jake lost his mind. And he specifically says P.S. My last name is pronounced the same as Oates. So, um, so don't be an asshole. And then I, we, we were digging more. through some classic. He, yeah, he basically didn't want me to say the things that I said, <laughs> and I felt bad. Um, I don't feel bad. Anyway, we were digging through old email for this episode because we wanted to do a sort of mailbag focused thing. And I looked at this one again and noticed at the very bottom of it is his Tumblr. And I said, "Oh, I wonder what's on G Oatsy's Tumblr." And I clicked the link. <laughs> And my fucking iPhone filled up top to bottom with a picture of me. <laughs> uh, the top of it says Gary Oatsy or Gary Oats exposed. And then it's just a picture of me from like 2005. And then it says uh, active members, vital thumbs, Jake, video games, Rodkin and fuck Nick Brecken. Both mentioned me on Twitter today. 
Wait, so is this like... This when... is the text underneath the picture of me. Oh, okay. But then... Um, uh, asked me this question, this dogged me incessantly since circa 2000. Is that your real name? But I'm still pretty pleased. Um, when was this posted? This was posted Probably three months, months ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're just waiting for this but, story. Oh, then he says, the dumb thing is... Only my branch of the family uses the old Oatsy spelling of our name. The rest of our <laughs> relatives all go by the more common Oats. Sometimes I wish my ancestors had been known for harvesting barley instead. No, you don't. It's better this but way. But it makes me very, very happy. That's all. <laughs> Clicking on that stupid link in that guy's signature and then being confronted with my own yeah, face was, was the most shocking incredible. experience of this evening. Ha ha ha. on this Goatsy Tumblr. What was, that? was that you didn't say the magic word? Is yeah. Just <laughs> the idea that he hits that and it's just like it's the just, guy's uh, turned uh, your face uh, like, yeah. He did not know that he was fully trolling me, but he succeeded (laughs) entirely. Okay. Me. I wonder what's here in Goatsy Exposed. Oh. (laughs) My face turning into a Goatsy. I wonder what's on this Ape Extreme console. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. Didn't say the magic word. (laughs) Pronounced Ape Extreme. I will never be not amused by the fucking Ape Extreme. Yeah. Remember when someone made a console called the Ape Extreme or tried to? You don't remember that, do you? It was a thing. So oh, the Ooyah. I, think I remember hearing about it on the Idle Thumbs podcast. <laughs> remember that Ooyah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Pronounced Ape Extreme. <laughs> do we have more reader mail, or is no, this kind done. of a soft close? Yeah, we're doing here. Is... <laughs> we'll call it the soft close. <laughs> right, as like questions at Idle Thumbs. We just really cleaned this out, so we probably not going to have very much for yeah, yeah, unless you're right. Questions at idlethumbs.net. Also, follow us on the internet. See ya. At internet.thumb. Oh, internet.mmm. Oh, yeah. And actually, two things. Thanks again to Ash and Steve from Megacynix. Mm-hmm. And also, um, Greg Miller. I'm really glad you're healthy. That's awesome. Take care. Bye. Video games. You guys ready for this? Yeah, go, go. Go, 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 go. You all ready for this? Go, 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 go. 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 (laughs) Good episode coming up. I can fucking feel it.